Hello, fellow worshipers. Welcome to the Linwood Worship Podcast, a podcast where I, AJ, share with you some thoughts about the whys behind what we do on Sunday when we lead our people in worship. Again, my goal with this podcast is not just to expand your mind and help you acquire more knowledge. Ultimately, I want to kindle your passion and help you to be oriented towards Jesus. So last week we talked about how the content of our services is meant to be Christ-centered rather than human-centered. This week we're going to zoom out a bit and take a look at how even the structure or order of our service should also retell the saving work of Jesus. A theologian named Brian Chappell uses this helpful metaphor He suggests that just as an egg container takes the form of an egg, our worship should also be formed by the gospel. Our liturgical structure is designed to retell the story of the gospel. And the basic movements of the gospel are creation, fall, redemption, and the return of Christ. So first, In creation, we see that God created all things. Second, in the fall, we see that in Adam, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And even creation groans with the pain of childbirth, the result of the fall. Third, redemption. For God so loved the entire cosmos that he sent his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. And fourth, the return of Christ also known as the recreation. Christ will return in the end, and all things will be made right, and in the meantime, the church also gets to participate in Christ's redeeming work, building the kingdom here and now. And so our liturgy retells those same four movements. In the gathering, we recognize that God is the one who initiates worship by his word, just as he initiated creation by his word. We gather together and get a picture of who God is in the call to worship, and we praise God for that in the first few songs. In the confession, we engage with the reality that we are all sinners and fall short of the holy standard that God has called us to. We are honest with ourselves and with God about who we are and how, yes, indeed, in Adam all have sinned, even us. And we are reminded of the saving work of Jesus and the assurance of pardon, who has taken our sin upon himself and made us holy and righteous in the sight of God. We respond in thankfulness through singing, giving our gifts and offerings. We show our dependence on God in our congregational prayer when we lift up our church's concerns to him. The liturgy continues with the sermon, and God reveals himself to us by his spirit through the preaching of his word. We're again reminded of the saving work of Jesus and our ultimate hope in him. And finally, we're sent out into the world with God's blessing, encouraged to look to the return of Christ and to live as people saved by him, participating in his redemptive work in the here and now, and we're assured that Christ is with us even to the end of the age. So ultimately, the point here is that both liturgical content, what we talked about last week, and liturgical structure, or the order of worship, matter. Both content and structure should be centered around Jesus and his story of salvation. So to conclude this week, I just want to share a brief story about how order communicates.
In one of my previous congregations, there was a really great and active orphan ministry that raised funds and supported an orphanage and also supported adoptive families. Each year we would have Orphan Sunday, which was a service where the orphan ministry would plan and lead and highlight the work that they had been doing. Orphan Sunday on this particular year began with a call to confession, acknowledging how God calls Christians to care for orphans and then confessing that often we fall short of this command. Following the prayer of confession, a number of statistics and highlights were read outlining how effective the orphan ministry had been at caring for orphans that year. We heard about how much money was raised, we heard about how the committee was instrumental in helping families who had adoptive orphans, etc., etc. And I, to be honest, don't remember anything beyond that. So, this service failed in both content and structure. The content was focused on what the orphan ministry had done for orphans and for God instead of what God had done for us. And the structure began with confessing failure to uphold God's commands, but never reminded the people of how, where we fail, Christ succeeds. Instead, it told the people that where they may have failed, the orphan ministry has succeeded. The content and structure of this liturgy tell the story of moralism, that God calls us to a holy standard and we can accomplish it, thereby achieving righteousness by our own work. This is antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think the orphan ministry or the people involved with it were self-righteous and self-glorifying. In fact, I know they're not. And I know they were doing their ministry work out of thankfulness for what God has done for them and out of faithfulness to what God had called them to do. My only point here is to highlight the fact that when these liturgical details are overlooked, we can accidentally tell a much different story than what we intend. A much better liturgical structure may have told the story of how God reveals himself to us as a loving father and that we were once orphans, lost with no inheritance and no hope, and God adopted us into sonship and made us heirs with Christ, giving us hope and an inheritance that can never spoil or fade. Then, knowing the value of being brought into a family and given hope, we are motivated to proclaim that same hope to and care for the orphans in our world. I'd like to say that we did it this way the next year, but I can't honestly remember. So, to beat the horse and make sure it's good and dead, the content of our worship and the order of our worship tell the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ.